Okay, so welcome back to Cobra Kai Companion. You guys joining me, uh, they really need no introduction if you guys have been following what I do uh, in the Cobra Kai community. We all know who they are, but John, Josh, and Hayden, also creators of Obliterated. How are you guys doing? We're doing Good great. Job. So actually, since I brought that up, is there anything you can um, uh, uh, kind of reveal about Obliterated, like, uh, like when we might be able to hear about a uh, release date or anything like that? You know, we're, we're still waiting on a release date ourselves for Obliterated. All we can say is that it's come out amazingly well. We're really thrilled about it. Um, if you're a Cobra Kai fan, um, it may or may not be the show for you. It really depends on uh, things. It's a, uh, first of all, it's a very R-rated show. So uh, for the, you know, young viewers, it may not be something that uh, they're ready to watch. Maybe when they turn 17 is the perfect time for them to watch. Uh, but depending on, uh, you know, how uh, advanced they are. <laughs> but it's a uh, it's a TVMA show um, and it's uh, more of a throwback to the kinds of work that we did before Cobra Kai. We did, you know, mostly we did pretty much exclusively R-rated comedy before that. And the show's awesome. If you love big action, if you love uh, big, if you love R-rated comedy, uh, it's uh, it's going to deliver for you. It's uh, the cast is incredible. Um, it's a, 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 just a big spectacle and lots of fun. Uh, and we don't have a release date yet. I think part of it is because of the uh, the strike actually right now. Uh, Netflix is figuring out sort of their slate given the uh, the adjustments that are that you know adjustments going on as a result of not having all the content that they expected and hoped to have for the rest of the year. So uh, would you mean uh, like our, our, our rated comedy, I'm assuming, you know, language, violence, and with your guys' background with like reunion and, and Harold and Kumar, there's probably nudity and drug use. There's every, every possible thing that could lead to an R rating um, is in this show. And um, yeah. I won't and say anything else. <laughs> and, and, and some new things. And some new things. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's definitely like sex and drugs are the thing that make you not like hesitant to talk about kids like watching your show, even though like when we were kids and, you know, you, you end up watching things a few years earlier. Uh, certainly like we fell in love with R-rated comedies, like watching them on HBO when our parents weren't watching. But, um, you know, ultimately like it's, if you look at some of our earlier stuff, it, it has, you know, a little bit of that uh, edgy R-rated quality to it. But I'd say like the similarity between Cobra Kai is we really love the characters and like a Cobra Kai where we obsess over every character, no matter where they are, whether it's the, you know, number one lead star or or down to the the somebody who has one line um there's a there's a lot of attention paid to all of that and you know fun cliffhangers and uh so there there's like a, a lot of what makes cobra kai work i think is in obliterated but no doubt it's like instead of uh guy, there's no like karate kid feels there's no like you know moral story in every episode in fact it's kind of it revels in its amorality and immorality at times um although like you know the, it, it's got that it's got a heart but but less like mentor student stuff and, you know so it's there's, I, I see the similarities, but uh, and I think a lot of Cobra Kai fans will love it. Um, no doubt, it's like a totally different type of cuisine, like um, from Cobra Kai. 
sounds like a lot of debauchery, especially taking place in Vegas. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So, um, we, uh, John, you kind of mentioned a little bit about the strike. Uh, for those that didn't see your guys' um, um, time with Ken, who, who got to see you guys on, uh, on picket lines and whatnot, uh, can you just kind of briefly talk about, um, uh, about the strike and how it's kind of affecting Cobra Kai? I mean, I mean you Co- know, we were... Oh, you go, oh, go ahead. Josh. Sorry. No, I mean, Cobra Kai is, uh, is on hold right now uh, until the strike is resolved, until the, uh, the studios and the Writers Guild uh, get back together and negotiate a fair deal. Um, you know, Cobra Kai was ready to go um, when the strike began, um, and it was just poor timing that, you know, we, we suspected was coming. Um, and as soon as uh, the strike is over, we'll get back to work. Cobra Kai will get back in production and uh, we will proceed. But until then, um, it's really like literally hitting the pause button. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, now with you guys being back at home, have you guys been um, kind of taking advantage of time to write uh, watch parties of uh, language that was on spec? Have you guys been able to write anything on spec during the writer's strike? Well, that, that's the main thing that we're allowed to do uh, right now. So, you know, we, I mean, the, our writer brains want to continue writing. And, you know, we uh, w- when it comes to like the, the actual content that we can generate, it, it can't be something that's already for a studio. So, you know, we have a lot of ideas and spec ideas that we've talked about over the years. So, yeah, we use this time to kind of flesh out some of those things. Inadvertently, we're always going to be thinking about Cobra Kai, no matter what, like, whether there's a strike or not, you know, we just, we're not, uh, you know, we're not able to write and submit drafts and stuff like that. But, you know, you know, during this, this break, believe it, believe it or not, we're, you know, there's still kind of, you know, development going on in our brains. I kind of get it. I was just uh, mentioning to some of you uh, off off, uh, uh, mic here that uh, over the weekend, I was, you know, at a gathering with, with coworkers, some of which I've, Put on, on on the Cobra Kai, but I've met some spouses who I got to kind of tell um, tell them my journey, uh, and and they were really into it and really happy for me. And basically, I said I kind of eat, breathe, and shit Cobra Kai, and they were all really happy for me. You know, just so mm-hmm. so I get it. <laughs> Cobra Kai always on the mind. And I had to show them the bracelet to just kind of prove it. Too. So it's always uh, nice, nice. Now we 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 always have Cobra Kai on our minds, and uh, it's it's challenging. It, it's it's. We we knew that the strike was probably coming, but that doesn't stop you from getting excited uh, for uh, for production. Like we went down there to Atlanta. We were there. I remember the night before having dinner, being like, "Okay, hopefully that the last minute they're going to come to some uh, some uh, agreement." And tomorrow morning we're on set for the final season of the show, and it was the most uh, bummer of a feeling, sort of being uh, you know just sitting in your hotel room as. Uh, the show went on. Uh, so it was, uh, it was not, not the most fun time. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just, uh, you know, a little blip in the story. Cobra Kai has had so many crazy twists and turns, uh, behind the scenes, as you know, you know, starting from our YouTube days to, you know, YouTube stopping making, uh, you know, the, this kind of TV show to where are we going to be and all that stuff. And, you know, it's just another, uh, you know, chapter of the story. Uh, with it, with you guys currently uh, working on your final season, um, what kind of thoughts are kind of going through your head? Like this is this is the last hoorah. Like, um, like, like 
certain feelings have they set in, uh, um, getting emotional when you're seeing some people who you kind of know this, this is going to be for a while until you see them again? I don't know that that's fully sunk in yet. I mean, I think we appreciate uh, that from a storytelling standpoint in the writer's room because we're certainly knowing that this is our last chance to tell certain stories that we've been withholding or to wrap up a story that's in progress or to, um, you know, write a character that we've been considering. Um, so those moments definitely feel momentous and, you know, you know that you're getting ever closer to the last story beat in, you know, the mothership uh, with, with these, these characters in this moment. But because we, you know, didn't get into production, um, we, we really haven't had those looking around set and feeling, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, like it's, it's fleeting um, because there's still so much in front of us to, uh, you know, to produce. So um, I'm sure we'll get there. I remember very much in the first season feeling those feels, you know, a lot more viscerally, um, you know, than we did in subsequent seasons. And I'm sure those feelings will come rushing back toward the end. Hmm. I, I like the language you use so, so much. Um, in the previous seasons, you guys have always said that you guys have a narrative and, uh, you know, for, for the beginning to the end kind of thing. And in previous seasons, we've had 10 episodes, roughly 30, 40 minutes each. With season six, you know, we haven't heard anything official. Watch Party made a video recently. You guys may know about it. But do you feel with season six, you guys will have enough time to continue or at least conclude your narrative and tie up all the loose ends by the finale. Uh, I, I, I feel we've, we feel very confident about it and, you know, uh, won't make any statements about anything other than to say, if you look at each season, they have kind of gotten bigger in terms of, you know, whether it's general runtime or like that last episode is, is, you know, you know, sort of keeps getting longer. So, you know, as the, as the bonsai tree has grown, so, you know, our, our seasons grow a little bit um, and, you know, we definitely, you know, going into the season, you know, um, which we were ready to shoot, you know, felt like we had a really good kind of story and a path for everyone to kind of have, uh, you know, a, a moment or, you know, or, or fun story, uh, you know, before the finale. Yeah. We're going so, big. I mean, we've never, you know, we've, we've never shied away from going as big as we can, you know, given our budget. Um, you know, we've fought every single season for a little bit more and a little bit more to be able to, you know, to tell the big story we have. I mean, if you look at the end of season five, it's this momentous cinematic feast of, you know, everyone you love from, you know, the first three Karate Kids, you know, all engaged in battle, um, you know, to wrap up this story, you know, we need a lot of days, we need a lot of time. Um, and, you know, we have that, um, you know, we're hoping it's, uh, it continues to still be there when the strike is over and we'll go back and do it. But, um, you know, there's going to be some big, big things happening this season. Uh, on the topic of the end of uh, season five, it, it wrapped up um, really nicely. And a lot of people, I, I feel like a lot of us knew that wasn't the end. And But but some were like, you know, I would be okay if that was because of the way it ended. Was that a way to kind of start off season six with like a clean slate, introduce new obstacles and hurdles? Like, can you guys uh, talk about like why you guys decided to end season five that way? 
we we loved the idea of peacetime in the valley in the wake of things things had have gotten so big and crazy on the show that uh we love the idea of sort of you know having a season that ended in a different kind of feel than you've seen at the end of one two three or four and to be able to start this ne next season uh you know you know the saikai taikai is something that we've been talking about uh in uh, we talk about towards the end of um uh season five so there are things to look ahead to um but you don't uh we we love the idea of the audience not really knowing what's coming. And what I can say is we always knew that uh, we were gonna be moving on to a season six. It wasn't like we ended a season five and thought, okay, well, this may be it. This was, it was all very intentional where we are. And I think people who thought they were gonna be satisfied with how season five ended and that was fine for them are gonna realize after they see the end of season six that it's probably a good thing that we had a season six because this ending is gonna be even better. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I remember that that we were there was like talk about like do we want to add this cliffhanger or something at the end of 5 at, at some stage and it, it it almost felt like after everything that they had been through and that kind of epic battle that's for it to feel like oh wait there's more or it's not resolved or that meant not, nothing would be like are you fucking kidding me? So we just felt like it we had earned this uh like at least a moment of of uh exhale and uh, we just love like the end of five we always talk about it it's kind of like the end of a spielberg movie like at the if you, the end of poltergeist it, it feels like we did it and you know um we you know we we obviously have a little bit of a loose end there with uh crease but it was just a different type of ending too. It just felt like it felt the natural end of that season was like, we did it. Everyone's together. And like, let's live in that and have a different ending and nobody will see that coming. Um, and we, we know where we're going next anyway. So. Uh, this is a, a paraphrasing of a question from watch party, but with season five and with your guys' narrative, uh, did you guys find any uh, challenges or maybe some surprises uh, in telling that narrative and having to like deviate or, or make any uh, kind of changes, whether minor or major. Well, I, I'll just, I'll just say, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, I listened to your, your podcast uh, a decent amount, not as much as I used to, I wish I could listen to it more. I'm just too busy. It sucks. Um, but uh, I will, I will say that, you know, while we've had, you know, the show plan from beginning to end, to in some broad ways um we didn't plan like okay we know okay we knew what season one was but we didn't know like okay season two was going to end how it did when we first started writing the show and we didn't know that season three was going to end exactly we didn't know all those exact points were going to be at those exact moments and a lot of new ideas came up throughout and i think in season five was our most chaotic and wild season of making the show because we had just finished making season four. We started or finished filming season four. We came home. We're in post-production and we're working on that. And Netflix like needed a big show to put in a slot. And they were like, these guys, they deliver, they make their shows, they, they move quickly and all that stuff. So they came to us and they said, Hey, can you make season five right away? So it was one of those things that we, and we were originally going to be doing obliterated first. So we thought we were going to get into obliterated. Instead, we shifted gears immediately to Cobra Kai season five. We had a short time in the writer's room in LA, and then we brought the entire writer's room to Atlanta because we were just running gun and trying to make it all happen. Um, 
So season five, we knew the big, big tentpole things that we were going to do throughout the season, but there was a lot of figuring stuff out as we were going and just writing aggressively, writing while in Atlanta and being just a couple episodes ahead on certain things. And uh, when you look at the, when I look at the story, the overarching story that we told is the story that we set out to tell at the beginning of the season. And then there were some variable things that, you know, we came up with either along the way or that we had in our minds that, you know, you, you, you're, you're heading down a path and you're like, you know, should this be in season five? Should this be somewhere else? Do we want to make this choice? Do we want to do this? And then when you're looking at the, when you're editing the stuff at the end, and and uh, you know see the the finale was such a grand finale, you know you make some decisions, you make some choices, and you say what's the, what's the best story that we could tell in 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 the uh, in this season in this episode, and uh, we felt really good about where we landed. And so, like with the post production of Obliterated and Netflix asking for uh, the season five, was that also like um, uh, kind of attributed to why you guys didn't write any of the episodes or direct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Josh, you go. Sorry. No, I mean, we were just, you know, jamming, you know, we were, it was overwhelming to go right into production um, of season five, somewhat unexpectedly, you know, without that time to really, you know, take a moment and, and feel like you have a safety net for all the decisions you're going to make. Um, and it became immediately obvious that our time, on set wasn't best spent, you know, making every single micro decision of, you know, blocking and, um, you know, in direction, it was much better spent at the script level, uh, being in the writer's room, uh, pretty much, you know, most of the way through production, um, and polishing, rewriting, um, having, you know, one of us, um, and multiple of our producers, on set with a trusted director while we could really be making sure that the scripts that were coming in that didn't have the same kind of lead time for us to, you know, sleep on to the same degree that we had in the past, uh, really making sure what we were committing to was what we wanted to uh, express and was the best for the macro story of where it was going in a subsequent season. Uh, because it, it really felt like you were at times you know, running down uh, a runway that was being laid right right in front of you as you're running, you're taking a step into the unknown and thankfully there's, you know, some pavement to put your foot on. Um, so it was really gratifying to come out of that um, production and, and be in post on season five and realize, you know, the, we didn't drop anything. We, you know, the net, the net <laughs> caught anybody yeah. who fell off. And the one thing I would say, you know, from a writing standpoint, it's it's tough because like, you know, when you're when you're the official writer of an episode, you're starting with a blank page, and there's a certain challenge with that whole element of it. And we're also the three of us running the writers' room, which you're running those discussions and and all that kind of stuff. And we didn't have the time to be there with the blank page, so it made sense for us to have writers do drafts of the script, and then we would get drafts of the script. And sometimes the writer, uh, you know, you're just giving them notes and other times we're taking it over and we're making changes. So, you know, our fingerprints are all over the season. We, you know, planned the whole story and we certainly did a ton of writing. We just don't have any writing credit in the season. So it's a different kind of uh, season for the show, but it was, it was really, uh, while it was more stressful than other seasons in the, in the sense of like Josh was saying, like, you just like, you're just trying to keep up on that road. Um, it was really like, it was really fun. 
in a and challenging in a different kind of way. And we were really we love the results. It was one of those things, though, that where we when we finished the season, we're like, I hope I, I hope that all those quick decisions that we made are paying off because we made a bunch of decisions and we took some big swings. And at the end, we were uh, we were very excited uh, that we're like when we were able to like take a step back from it and like watch it beginning to end. We're like, this worked out well. We're pretty happy with this. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of nice to like uh, also like, before it actually premieres, if you know anybody that gets screeners, it's always nice to kind of give some preliminary, you know, uh, like uh, uh, insight, you know, uh, kind of like, well, the, the, you know, we value this person's opinion. And, and if this person is enjoying it, hey, you know, you know, less to worry about, I guess, when it actually drops and then start hearing it from the fans then. Um, yeah. This is kind of a two-part question and inspired by a tweet I saw from Amy recently because I feel like I haven't had my pulse in the fandom in uh, some time, but uh, will you guys be making a return to writing in, well, you, you already kind of mentioned it, but not in the credits, but uh, return to writing and directing in season six, but also um, the cast uh, and crew, also very talented, wear multiple hats, writers, authors, uh, Academy Award nominee, directors and whatnot. Could we see some of the cast possibly directing episodes in season six? Uh, I think all of that's very possible uh, and subject to change, you know, um, is how I would answer it. You know, like the, those are all things that we've talked about, you know, it's the last season. So, you know, we'd love to, you know, write an episode and direct and do all that stuff. And that's part of the thing with the timing that you have and all of that. And and that that's the hope there. And yeah, you know, the same thing with, you know, the actors uh, getting a chance, uh, you know, some actors getting a chance to direct. That's something that we've talked about. And, you know, it's just a question of, you know, let's see after the strike, how everything shake, you know, shapes up because, you know, things can be up in the air, but that there've been discussions about that stuff. Oh, okay. Very, yeah. Um, when I saw the tweet, I, I, that had never occurred to me, but yeah, season six, I, I, I don't see why not if, if everything kind of works out. Um, I, I, I'll be kind of jumping around um, with uh, kind of teases about season six, but uh, season five, in season five, I, I like to talk a little bit more about the um, return of, uh, some legacy characters. Uh, I brought this up to uh, Michael Jonathan Smith as well, but um, with the character of Chosen, I was really surprised how much we got of him in season five. Because uh, I, I just thought, you know, with Yuji uh, having the restaurants, I was like, oh, probably show up in a few episodes or whatnot. But uh, what kind of uh, discussions, like rules, did you guys come up with rules for the character of Chosen? Because it took me, I feel like the second half of the season to go, you know what, he's He's filling in like that Miyagi void. And I see glimpses of Sato and, and Karate Kid 2 Chosen and all of that all in one. Is that a um, decision on Yuji's part? And, and um, you know, just kind of discussions amongst everybody else on how to play it? I mean, I, I would say that it, it started with how it was established in season three. And, and I've said this before that we just loved working with him in season three. We were so impressed with working with him on set behind the scenes, his acting, his martial arts, uh, his approach, how much he cared, uh, his humor. Um, all those elements were things that we really responded to. Um, so we knew when we were doing season five that we wanted him to have a huge role and that he was going to basically be in as many episodes as we could have him in. Uh, and, uh, in terms of sort of like feeling like Miyagi-ish and that kind of thing, that was sort of just, it, it unfolded naturally. It wasn't, there was never us in the room. I don't remember ever in the room being like, okay, he's going to be our Miyagi surrogate or anything like that. There was never a discussion about him as a new Mr. Miyagi 
kind of character. It was really just putting him in in this new version of Chosen that we had established in season three. And it was a collaboration between the three of us, our writers, and uh, Yuji. Um, and just telling in the telling of that season, uh, just putting him in the situations, that's that was just the result of where the story took us and the voice that that felt natural in all those times. And uh, it it was more a sense of looking back while watching it and and every episode coming out of it being like, ah, oh, he's one of my favorite performers in that episode. He's so great in there. And then leaving leaving the season and he's like, he's one of the top MVPs of the season. And feeling like, yeah, he did give uh, this, you know, pathos and and um, uh, and elevated things in in certain ways that that Pat did in the past as Miyagi uh, that felt really special and brought some some vibes. And it was probably a subconscious thing because he in in season three was uh, g- uh, giving us. Uh, vibes that we were really responding to, uh, you know, as, as after he revealed himself uh, to, you know, to kind of how he had progressed in, 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 uh, in life. Um, but uh, seeing him in the Valley, it, it was a pleasure and uh, we, you know, you know, maybe we'll see some more of him. Also, Aiden, I feel like you wanted to say something when I was kind of teeing you guys up with that question. Uh, no, just love chosen. <laughs> okay. Um, can you talk about uh, uh, the episode two of uh, Mole um, and just uh, the discussion about uh, having uh, Chosen and Terry Silver meet so early on? I was very surprised and we get the tease at the end of the first episode that he's already infiltrated as, well as one of the uh, potential hires. I mean, that's uh, kind of what we try to do is is get to the meat and potatoes um, during the the bread course um you know we like to hopefully you know get to where the audience suspects we might be going faster than um expected and go to some unexpected places um when you least expect them um we, you know one of the things we really enjoyed about that storyline was presenting the possibility you know over that dinner that um silver has and you know over their drinks that may be chosen you know is able to be seduced um by silver and there's a lot of what silver's saying that might be relevant to chosen um in terms of his emotions about daniel if he really looks at the totality of uh of his life and you know and we really wanted to play with that tension and also put these two, you know, titans of, you know, Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai in the same space and make it very uncomfortable. And we also knew where we were going by the end of the season um, to get to that place where you're so incredibly invested, hopefully, um, in their battle to the death, it seemed. Um, You want to really establish both of these you know, figures as strong and immovable and sharp and intuitive and dangerous. And uh, we were kind of, you know, presenting things like the sword um, and, you know, letting Chosen have a misstep um, that he wouldn't make twice. And it was just, it was, it was so much fun to kind of feel like you're playing with the chessboard. Uh, you're, you're presenting the earliest stages of a battle without um, a punch or kick ever being thrown. And then of course, you know, at the end of the episode, 
um, throwing a whole bunch of punches and kicks as a uh, prelude of what's to come. Yeah, my, yeah I, 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 I was just going to say my biggest frustration with the show from it's mostly from our standpoint is, is just there's so much that you want to do and you have a certain number of episodes and like that's the type of thing that could be its own movie. Like you could have a whole second act in a movie that's him as a mole and re- you could really draw that stuff out. I, I just I, I couldn't get enough of uh, Chosen being like in on Team Cobra. Uh, for a brief period of time. And it was just like, I, 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 there, there's so much potential there. Cause like they're, they have so much in common and, and those are the best moments where you like show these two characters that, you know, and n- not to mention the fact they're both karate kid antagonists, you know, it was, I know that at the end of the season, we get them all together, but it's just fun to have two karate kid antagonists. Cause at that point, Johnny and chosen, hadn't you know really been together so it was just like these you know these two guys that like if you're a karate kid fan have a lot in common that were in totally different movies but are 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 together and it's just so and and you know you know as soon as like there's swords that are being brought out that uh it's teeing up for something crazy and also that i remember the the snake carafe thing um that he pours the the whiskey into like, it's just, it got to that place. The best thing about season five was we had earned the Terry silver in charge story. And so it's now he's just, he's going full force and you're coming over to his place here. Let me open the snake and pour you the fancy, you know, whiskey. So it's, you get to play with all that stuff. Was that what you kind of teased back at Pilly Fest when you mentioned, uh, you know, when I asked you guys about merch from season five, was that what you're talking about? Like uh, maybe a cobra? No, I was talking about and snake bites. I was talking about <laughs> snake bites. <laughs> you know, we were like, I remember thinking like this should be merch. Like we should just sell like these little protein things, these cobra kai protein things. Cause like I see so much, so many protein products out there right now that it would make sense. We just liked that Silver's Dojo. It was like our the model for us was like an Equinox gym. And they usually are selling a bunch of products and stuff like in a little shopping center, you know, or whatever. It's like you get your Cobra Kai t-shirt or we have snake bites, you know, the new uh, uh, protein thing. And I think uh, Mitch is caught eating some uh, in episode uh, seven of season five. So I, I think if that became a reality, you guys should get Joe uh, so to do a, a commercial. And he'd be like, it's like crap, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be, be love Joe so much. Yeah. Um, so I know uh, you, you guys know often I like to bring up like, oh, who came up with this? And it's always a, a collaborative thing. I had a discussion with Yuji, not in an interview. And we kind of talked about a line that I feel you guys are responsible for the inflation of gas prices. Uh, so the summer of 2022, I'm gasoline. Um, can, can you uh, m- maybe uh, give us some insight on the uh, manifestation of this uh, incredible line? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I, I think, think the first. Well, I don't know. I I I, I, I remember it was just something that we came up with. We were, the, we were fooling around. I think we. I don't even yeah. think it was like we were. We were joking about an arch. We knew it. You know, you're playing with fire, Danny Boy was going to be there, and I remember we were just joking around about in a in like a Bond movie 
how someone would, you know, respond. And the idea of Chosen saying that um, intensely um, and, and meaningfully, we just felt was immediate trailer fodder. And we talked about yeah. it and, and we talked about it like a, like it would be what it was. And then when it got put on a billboard, um, it was the culmination of that meta you know, writing moment for us. The crazy, the crazy thing for us, it was all boom was always a big part of the the thing too. It was like in our minds yeah. in the trailer, it was like, <laughs> and I am the gasoline, and then and then he's like boom, and you'd see like Hans's like building explode or you, you. We needed an explosion. We don't have enough explosions. I like. Uh, we have fires, um, but we had a, the Vietnamese village explode. That was probably that's the true. biggest. That's, that's true. true. We, we did do done. that, but it was like it felt like it should be like in the trailer, like there'd be some sort of explosion that happens, and 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 we love it when these two ca- when two characters have these like mortal like Highlander climax conversations uh, in the valley, like you know, we, we, in season one or two, it's it's like. You know Johnny and Daniel like outside the the mini mart or 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 Silver and and Daniel in the mini mart and here it's just like it's chosen and Silver and Daniel like at this country club and it's just like you know anyone there is ordering a drink or something like that. Meanwhile, these two are like ready to you know kill each other's children basically. So. <laughs> I um I think I don't know if you remembered who it was, but I, he he said that. Uh, he thought it was a little, uh, I might be misremembering the words he used, but, you know, he was like, oh, it felt a little cheesy. And whoever was talking to him was like, trust me, like it'll work, you know? And, and so that's kind of what I remember him sharing. So I was always curious. Um, uh, oh, so as of right now, at the time of this recording, do you guys already have a joint name for the new dojo? Uh, well, we... we uh, that, that, let's we, just say that you know that that, that storyline gets resolved, you know, and it's that we're not we don't just like leave that in 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 the air, um, and you know we've the it's not like there's not going to be a psychi taikai, you know, or all that the, the stuff that was in five will will pay off in in six. John, did you have anything else to add to that, or no? He or, just or, he, no, he, no, he, no, I'm, yeah. I'm here on martini duty right now. Oh, okay. So, there it is, Martini so, Baguette. There, there you go. There um, is. Yeah. Okay, I want to make sure that I got everything here. Okay, so we're still good on time here. Um, let's see. The uh, Mike Mike Barnes. Um, you know, any kind of discussions that we don't know about about uh, bringing bringing him back? Um, and then we don't see him until the finale uh, after episode three. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, the, any discussions to bring him back in terms of season five? Like how? Yes, how yeah. We, yeah. yeah. I mean, we knew there was real juice there once we were breaking, um, you know, that first episode he was in. And obviously to leave him in a position that he was left in as he pulls up to his, uh, you know, place of work that means so much to him as we saw him rub his, you know, finger along the piece of, you know, oak or cedar or whatever the heck you know, and, and it's all up in flames, it, it would have felt um, inauthentic and, and kind of unfair just to to leave him as a damaged uh, remnant, you know, in, in the background somewhere that's dealing with the collateral damage of silver in the valley. So in our back pocket, he was always coming back. Um, it, it, you know, we, 
we were looking for what that moment of reintroduction was. And it, you know, the writer's room, once that was finally uh, broken out in the way it is, it, it just made us all smile and, and celebrate and be excited um, and really feel like it was worthy of, uh, you know, of that finale. But that, that's an example, I'll just say, of like, you know, we wrote him into episode three. We knew what we were doing in episode three. We knew that we'd bring him back later, but we didn't know how we were going to bring him back later. And we were already filming. So we were like filming the third episode. By the time we're, you know, filming the third episode, we didn't know how he'd return at that point. We knew that he'd come back, but this was, a, it's a function of being in that season five where we were just kind of running, running and gunning. And uh, once we came up with sort of his reintroduction, we were all thrilled. It was a celebration, but uh, he's, uh, it's awesome. I, I, it was so, it was great to work with him. I'll just say like all of the, uh, we've said it with every single kind of returning cast member, but you know, um, he's a guy who has been eager to be back on the show from the beginning. Like he's somebody who we were hearing from early on and we we were honest when we were saying like, we intend to bring you back. We know we want to bring you back, but we want to bring you back at the right time when it's meaningful, when it, when there's a real story purpose of it, uh, given sort of, you know, where we knew we were going with some of the other characters. So it was very uh, fulfilling for all of us. And, you know, when, when you when you work on soap operas like he does, like you're on it. Like those actors like have to do like 20 pages a day, 25 pages a day. It's insane. The amount of work that they do. So they're, they, he knows his lines. He has everything planned really well. And uh, it was fun to see him uh, mixing it up with the different characters in the series. Absolutely. So, so you guys said you were already filming season three and still kind of figuring out on how he returns. No, so, episode, yeah, we're, we're shooting episode three, we're episode three. So we're, su well, we're shooting season five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, so I'm, I'm kind of assuming that. Did, so, did you guys already kind of have uh, the the idea of like uh, our mains, let's call them, uh, going out clubbing and getting kidnapped? Was Barnes always? Uh, I don't, I don't think so at all. I think, nope. I, and again, this was a season that was a little bit more on the fly, but like we had, we knew where we wanted to end in certain ways. For example, we knew it was chosen silver, you know, so we knew that that was going to happen. So, cause we had already shot two, we had already established the swords. We knew there was going to be the sword fight. We knew where we wanted to go with Johnny and the baby. We knew where, you know, like there were, there were some big key things that we knew where we, we always know where we're going, but we don't know all the details of that. And, you know, for us, like we knew that we, there were different ways of getting Barnes back. I remember talking to Mike on the set while he was shooting episode three and saying, we have this idea, you know, for how to bring you back. And so at that point we had talked about, you know, the, you know, him kidnapping them and all of that, but it was like, it was enough not set in stone that I didn't want to even talk to him about it because things change. Um, you know, we could find out now you can't afford a limousine, a stretch limousine, you know, like uh, the weird things like that happen on Cobra Kai. You're like, wait, what are you talking <laughs> about? I see. Okay. Anyway, but, um, but like, that's an example of what John was saying before of something that, you know, we're like, you didn't need him necessarily to do some of the big payoffs of our, of our other characters, but we knew that we wanted him back. We knew there were different ways of having him back. And we chose something that involved, had him be play a major role in setting up all these different things. And, 
and it, you know, for us, that was, uh, you know, th those are always the, the best kind of story discoveries. Uh, I feel the way um, season five kind of wrapped up, like, uh, I, I guess, you know, beefs, if you want to call them that, are kind of, kind of over. Is there, are you able to kind of tease, like, if some of those are still lingering in season six amongst our, some of our main characters? Like, any kind of those rivalries, like, uh, for example, uh, um, I guess with, like, Tori and Sam, or even, like, the with Kenny, like, where, where's Kenny now with Robbie and we're thinking maybe it's, Sean's going to release him. It's really just, um, I think what you see is what you get in terms of the end of, of season five. Like think, think about what you saw between uh, Sam and Tori. And that's kind of, you know, the headspace that we, when we enter the writer's room, are thinking about. Um, at the end of the season, they weren't best friends, um, but they were um, on the same side of this, you know, little mini mission that they each had. So, you know, going into the next season, when we're sitting in the writer's room, we're talking about, okay, well, where are their heads at? Are there things that, um, you know, uh, there's the starting point uh, of where they are and we need everything to make sense when you're watching it. So I'm not going to get into specifics of like, you know, what stories we're covering, what storylines we're, we're covering. Um, but Sam and Tori have been a, uh, you know, a, a duo that you followed for many seasons already. So they'll continue to be people that you're following and, uh, we'll see how they progress this year. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say that like we ended season five where everything is everyone's hunky dory with everyone. Everyone has a, as you know, a, a perfect relationship and it's just, you move into the past, everything oh, that's all in the past. And now we're all together. There's still some complexity and specificity between the different relationships that there are. And those are the things that you, that, you know, we either choose to unpack or don't choose to unpack going forward. Uh, and kind of, uh, again, kind of referencing like you guys' uh, previous formats with the seasons and, and 10 episodes, 30 minutes. Um, I know leading up to season five, people ha have asked me like, Oh, how do you think Jessica Andrews will be introduced? And I was always kind of like, I don't see it happening. It just makes no sense from what we knew uh, in the Cardi Kid 3. So you guys reintroduced her in a great way. Uh, can you talk about uh, reintroducing Jessica Andrews? We're always looking to find a, a different way and an honest way to reintroduce characters from the original franchise. You know, like, like with Barnes, you know, it was an opportunity to present him like he's the big bad wolf and then, you know, pull the rug out from underneath that. And we realized that we're in Daniel's skewed and somewhat PTSD addled uh, point of view. Um, with Jessica, you know, everything was on the table in terms of when or if, um, you know, we were going to bring that character back into the story. And I remember when it was pitched in the writer's room, um, it just, it brought a smile to our face that, you know, it, it answered a question, you know, to a degree of of one of the ways that uh, Daniel and Amanda met each other um, and 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 at the same time provided an extension of uh, the Jessica story in terms of her being able to shed light on, you know, the Terry Silver situation, both back in the day and what it must be like for Daniel to relive that now. Um, you know, she's in a unique position um, of any character in the franchise, really, to be able to, um, you know, to relate to what Daniel's going through there because she was abused as well by Barnes and by, you know, Silver's minions. 
So uh, when we knew we were telling this kind of heavier story in the middle of the season about Daniel's pursuit of justice getting in the way of his marriage and, you know, him being thrown into this spiral, uh, she was a, um, it was a really fun way out of it um, to, to put Amanda in a situation where she could be hearing these, you know, plot laden um, story things that are necessary, but also provide a relationship that is, um, is believable and yet unexpected. Yeah. The, uh, sorry. No, I'll just, I'll just say like, that's, that's another prime example of like, you're, in the writer's room and when a solution comes that has like lots of different value to it beyond sort of the present day value there's there's so so much there um it's really exciting for us because that was something that like, we always knew we wanted to bring jessica back we didn't know how we were going to bring her back um there was times i think she was pitched as like the sister like uh uh Amanda's sister at times. And we were always just like, no, like that's impossible. Like if she would just be the sister. And then when it was like, let's make her the cousin, it was a little bit more believable that like there was, uh, there was something there, but like knowing we knew the path we were going to going down when it came to the Daniel and Terry Silver story and that Amanda, what was going to happen with Daniel and Amanda there and to have sort of this big, you know, uh, big piece to, to play with just you plug, uh, um, Jessica in there and it, and it solves so many different things at once. Um, you know, how we bring her back. It tells you about the history of them meeting each other. It tells you it, it, it's gives that unique insight that Josh was talking about. It's one of, it was one of those things that we were all, um, you know, excited. I think it was, I'm going to give Joe Pirulli, I think some credit on this one. Cause I think that he was the one who first suggested, uh, her, uh, as the cousin, he kept, he kept pitching, I think the sister thing first, and then eventually the cousin thing shifted over and we're like, all right, okay, we're on, we're on. Now we got it. It, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, it's, I, I would have to do, I mean, this is on a list for a uh, possible episode, like top five, you know, the reintroductions and how it kind of impacted the story. I, I think that might be my favorite, just how it's done. It's just like, oh, wow, it just is, is brilliant. And you guys did a lot of this on the fly too. So so kudos to, to the team. I know we're kind of uh, running down on time. I'm going to try to pick like the the ones that I, I really want to ask. Crease uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, the Hayden Anigans that led up to season five about like, you know, potential characters dying and whatnot. Uh, can you talk about the discussion of... Um, uh, kind of setting up Priest's uh, prison escape. Well, it, I mean, while we were making season five, it just felt like everything was geared towards like this potential death of whether it was Silver or Chosen or Crease or Johnny or Daniel. Like, like there was a lot. Of, it felt like suddenly we got to this place where uh, life was at risk. Um, and, you know, so I like to fan that flame and get people excited about that because, you know, whether it happens or not, it, the fact is we've gotten to that point where somebody can die. And I wanted to revel in that. Um, so I, and, and prepare the audience for it. Um, but, uh, you know, crease is probably the toughest to kill of all the characters in the franchise he seems to always get away actually he never actually <laughs> 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 you know, he's he's whether he's in a in a death defying situation or just it's complete bullshit um he comes he comes back to life and so it's fun that that's 
in a part of his character. So, you know, in, in um, playing that storyline at the end of five, we knew that like, Hey, well, that is a crease move, you know, the, you know, that, that, that all well, plays I, that trick. I remember when I remember early on uh, Hayden was talking about having crease escape from jail escape from prison and at first we were just like we didn't love the idea of it felt silly and then when it was like well he fakes his own death to escape once we got to that then we were all on board we were like, as long as you put that ridiculous thing on top of it, it starts yeah, well, because, right. because we, we felt like it was it was consistent with crease's character to fake his own death that's what he yeah. does like he but does that to, over to pull over that again. off we had to do what we did which work. was yeah. treat it completely honestly and have it come on the heels of a moment where his character feels like Crease is finally arcing. He's finally realizing the error of his ways. He's finally willing to change and be vulnerable and let down his guard. And of course, that would be the moment that, you know, in the Shakespearean way that he would take a knife to the chest. And, uh, you know, we just shot that honestly. And then you know, through the magic of up, uh, oh, you didn't look over here. You see that it was all, you know, bullshit. And he was stealing her ID and the Jello actually had a motivation and, and everything else uh, unraveled. So I know we're kind of running long time. I'm trying to fit in at least a couple questions. Um, we could we could probably go an extra 10 minutes or so if you need to. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. So, so on, on the top of the, kind of the end, um, I know a few people who were a little upset, you know, these, uh, the, the big Terry Silver phrase, and you guys are as well. So this would be, um, I think, be some great insight. But uh, some, some people were unhappy uh, of, of how Silver was treated at the very end. You know, the, the quick fight with Daniel and he loses and, and, and just the way uh, we see him cuffed <laughs> um, and, and taken down to those police station, all of that. Can you guys talk about that and, and what you might be able to um, uh, uh, tell the, the, the big silver fans and, and make them feel better about silver series? I, 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 I haven't heard that criticism. I didn't think oh. it was a quick fight, uh, you know, and, and certainly, you know, if you couple it with his other Daniel fight, it's not like, you know, he went in and got his ass kicked. I mean, he, he had, there was a part one to that fight earlier in the season and he had just been through hell that night. I mean, he had a home invasion and had to take on, you know, people that were coming to beat the crap out of him, if not kill him. He almost got killed. Yeah. Yeah. And and he almost got killed that night. He was a bloody mess and probably exhausted and was drinking that night. So, you know, I, you know, the guy deserves a handicap, I think, uh, in that if, if I'm going to, you know, be his defense attorney uh, for a moment. And I would also say that, if you look at um, if if you look at just how that whole like last episode went, he was you know doing pretty well for most of it, considering he was the one that was kind of blindsided. Um, so you know he's obviously uh, been arrested at the end of the season. Uh, we'll see whether or not his influence and money will you know and connections and. Uh, and and legal team will be able to get him off, but uh, you know, I think if, if he made if he made any mistake, it was teaching Daniel the quicksilver method. I mean, that was yeah. that was really like if you really think about it. I mean, his his karate is what won out there for the most part. Maybe with a little little taste of Miyagi's as well. 
Yeah, our thing with that that fight, I remember, was just like the in our mind, the reason he lost was more on it's why Daniel won. It was just like when Daniel fought him the first time, he was it was all negative energy, and he was playing Silver's game a little bit, and Silver's the better one at that game. Um, you know, he was the one who pushes him first. He was the one who did all that. Whereas in this last uh, this last fight. He's using Silver's like method, but he's wait doing it in a Miyagi way where he's kind of calm at peace and like letting Silver come to him. And so he's kind of able to give him a taste of his own medicine through the kind of in, in a Miyagi style. So the, the silver bullet, I like that. Just uh, uh, you guys probably just wanted to introduce like uh, like another new thing, Silver's. Yes, yeah, I mean secret so moves yeah. are just a part of the part of the franchise. You know, from the moment uh, Miyagi did the crane kick, um, there there were secret moves, and you know we've kind of gone down that path from both the the light side and the dark side for the the entire season. So we wanted to introduce, you know, what would Silver have as a secret move up his sleeve? It would be something that would probably be more. It had to be more dangerous and more life-threatening than Chosen's uh, pressure point um, technique. So the idea of actually taking your breath away um, felt like something that could really creep up to that that uh, doorstep of a move that could kill somebody. Um, in the previous seasons, you guys used a lot of flashbacks to kind of fill in the gaps, uh, uh, whether it be expositional or whatnot. In, in season six, uh, have you guys uh, discussed that and, and uh, maybe how much more or less flashbacks we may get? It's it's in our toolbox. I mean, that's all we can really say. I mean, it's something that we think about. Um, you know, I, I'd imagine that we'll have uh, some of that in the season, but can't tell you anything more. Yeah, we right. try to use flashbacks, you know, where it's really emotionally um, it, it, it it's emotionally emotional storytelling. How do we you know, move forward in a way where by going backwards, you're getting some new perspective, some nostalgia, um, and something that really benefits the character whose flashback it is in a way that you couldn't tell that story without it. If you can tell the story without it, you probably don't need it. A lot of times when people ask me my thoughts on like upcoming seasons and a lot of good questions are asked, I'm like, you know, a lot of times I don't see things happening because I'm like, oh, the, the whole 10 episode thing, I always feel like they have to kill their darlings, like some certain ideas they can't do. And I feel with like season six, there, there's something that I'm still kind of waiting on. Um, like the last time we saw the flashback of a uh, young priest, I'm like there's, there's something missing here. Like, you know, between that priest and the priest we've seen in Kid 1, I feel there's still so, so more. So that's kind of where my question is, is, is coming from. Um, with season six, um, with the uh, with the with the idea of ending the series finally, how are you guys approaching like the, the 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 like the finale? Whether it's like the last couple episodes or the finale itself, like all the certain bullet points you guys kind of want want to hit. Um, Josh, you mentioned I, I feel like it was with Ken. You mentioned something about like an original uh, original ending, and I'm not exactly sure what you meant by that. Um, so I just uh, clearly you guys have your own. Uh, ending in mind but this something like yeah, well, the like idea is you know when you look at the you know series finales you know especially you know in the age in the last 20 years when you're talking about premium cable streaming you know uh, and you're not just saying you know it's cheers and you're of course going to be at the bar 
Um, you know, there are the Sopranos that cuts to black. There are, you know, there are six feet under that goes, you know, years and years into the future and shows you what, you know, becomes of everybody. I just spoiled uh, two major shows for people <laughs> if mm-hmm. you haven't seen them. Um, but, you know, for us, it's, there are the devices of, you know, exactly what those final moments are. I mean, we just saw the series finale of Succession, which I won't spoil here. Um, you know, and, and there are filmmaker choices and writing choices um, and performance choices that go into those, you know, final few moments of a series. You know, if, if you're fortunate enough to get to a place where you're going out on your own terms, um, you know, for us, it's always going to be about what is the story we're telling and making sure that it's, it continues to be rooted in that character journey um, for the characters that we care about. And, you know, hopefully when you look at that journey and you see what we do, you know, from a filmmaking perspective, you know, those two things can coexist as they do with, um, you know, with shows that we, uh, that we feel good about. Uh, and with, with my final question, uh, we have heard rumblings before in, in articles about possible spinoffs and things like that. Could we see, like in season six, some setup for uh, something that could potentially come after uh, Cobra Kai's end? I feel like the whole show, <laughs> you know, uh, up until now and including season six, has a lot of potential spinoffs, you know, within there. Uh, the show itself in a way as a spinoff of the karate kid um you know just taking one character from that movie and you know using that as an entry point into a story so i think that you know there's the potential to do that with um any of the characters that we created there's you know we obviously love backstory so you know there's the 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 notion of you know delving deep into backstory going into the past going into you know other og karate kid characters that maybe we didn't get to have uh in cobra kai and explore them you know those are you know i i would you know just speculate about all those possibilities because that's what we do and it's not like um Oh my God, season six, you know, it, it, it's not going to set up for a direct like spinoff where it's like, okay, you know, uh, Johnny and Daniel end up uh, in a, in a, like running a bar in Vegas. And now it's going to be like, okay, it's set up for, we have already the the bar in Vegas where they're going to be selling the the booze and that's mm-hmm. going to be the show. You know, sometimes like you know, shows do that type of thing. I think we're just focused on the end of our show right now, the end of Cobra Kai. And along the way, we always talk about what these characters are going to do after the events of, you know, our, our show end, or what were they doing in between these seasons that we didn't see, you know, those are, those are things that we talk about and all those possibilities are possible. That was Hayden's long winded way of setting up young Dutch. So when, when young Dutch gets announced, you heard it here first. I, I'm, Hashtag I'm young Dutch. I'll, I'll say it's, it's going to be Dynatox. Uh, it's uh, it, it's, it's, <laughs> A show. It it takes place in the eighties, and it's don't based- spoil that. Hayden. Okay, I'm not gonna. Get, I'm sorry. You know what? Edit that part. What are you out. doing? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, so, so basically, we're not gonna follow like uh, Carmen and Johnny's baby in, in, the, in the sequel uh, spinoff. Basically, we can't. We can't um, say. I mean, it's it's possible that a, that a, a future spinoff has characters that you see in the show, 
and where they are, but it's not like, it, I wouldn't expect it to be, uh, you pick up the next day. And it's like, as Hayden was saying, Johnny and Daniel open a bar and then a new show comes out, Johnny and Daniel's bar, and you see them at their bar. It'll be something. I mean, there was something special about, you know, re-entering this universe 33 years, you know, at the time we went into production anyway, um, from, you know, from the moment that The Karate Kid came out. Um, not to say, you know, we're going to intentionally wait 33 years until uh, coming into the story again, but they're, you know, through time and, you know, you can play with time, um, you know, as you write, there are ways of extending a story, telling a different kind of story um, that feels, oh, this is unexpected or, oh, wow, this is untapped. Um, and it, like John said, it's not, you know, the very next day and uh, fade back in. There's also like didn't Justified is coming back, I, I, I heard. And, and there you have a show that didn't seem like it was gone that long. And comes back. And so not that like we have any plans for that, but we live in a world, you know, Dexter is another example where like, you know, you think that something's over and then it comes back. And, you know, sometimes it's just like you want your show to end and then a few years go by and you're just like, you know what, I, I kind of like that, you know, you know, that Johnny voice or whatever the thing is. And you have those the ability to do that. So I think, you know, our, our goal is to end the show in a way that's just crowd pleasing. And then, Hey, who knows what's going to happen, you know, whether it's 33 years or, you know, three years, um, you know, these are characters in a world that you'd want to revisit again. All right. And with that, uh, one last one is Colonel Duke and Tori's dad. (laughs) Definitely. Well, there it is. You guys heard it. All right. Well, thank, thank you guys he's, so much. He's Dutch's <laughs> uncle and Corey. <laughs> well, you, you did reveal at Paley Fest that it's uh, Colonel Dutch Dugan. So, so I can see where, you know, he was named after his uncle, Dutch Dugan. So. <laughs> the big question is, is Dutch, well, they, Dutch must be his last name because they put it on the the tournament board, unless board board, yeah. he was just a, a one name. They, they accepted his one name. Or or he was Dutch Dutch. Yeah, or he was Dutch Dutch. <laughs> There are characters like that. I'm trying to remember. By the way, by the way, Double Dutch is <laughs> Double uh, Dutch. you know <laughs> there you go. That's another spin-off. That's, that's, that's spin-off. the name of the spin-off show. <laughs> it's a young Dutch spin-off. When you see his how he got to like jump around so uh you know uh, so well, it's his 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 uh his double dutch days. I the, the tagline is uh you know, come on, come on, make a move. And, and then we'll see also um, like how how he even starts the whole warm up right like I think that's one of Josh's favorite things little, little shake he does. Well, he does he he does two things he does the right before he he fights Daniel you know there there's this thing but he also in the soccer game when when Daniel runs off like kind of complaining he kind of does it. He has like torso flex. He's the most snake like <laughs> of all the the characters. And I always I always respected that aspect that he brought to the character. So love it. Love it. Uh thank you guys uh, so much for your time. Hopefully an agreement a fair agreement uh comes soon and you guys get back to doing what you guys love doing and and you know, definitely can't wait to see season uh see season six. Uh, any last words as we uh, uh, end the episode or interview? 
Just thank you for your uh, continued championing of uh, this universe. You know, you were an early adopter of, you know, going online and, and talking about the show and, uh, and, you know, kind of celebrating what it, you know, was flourishing into. And uh, we are, you know, just so thankful to be able to tell uh, this sixth and final season the way we want to tell it. And like you said, we can't wait to go back and actually, you know, finish writing it and, uh, and produce it. Well, thank you for letting me play in your sandbox. I, I also just wanted to say that, you know, we're in one of those weird times for a fan where you don't quite know what's going on with the strike. And like John said, we had that in the past, um, but it's going to be worth the wait, uh, whatever, whatever it is. And nobody knew what the release date was anyway. So, you know, our hope is just to get it out as soon as possible. Um, but it's, you know, it's all in our brains and in a few scripts right now. And it's looking good. And we're, we can't wait for people to see it. Thank you, by the way, for your fandom. You're, you've been great, man. You've been along for the ride the whole time. You've been cheering us on. You're, you really get into it. You get the fans engaged. So you being here is, is, is important, and we really, really appreciate you, man. Thank you. Keep up the good work.